Assemble! We don't mess around. We don't waste time. Over here at his hard line. Let's go! from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Welcome to the show. Let's get started. Greetings and good day to all you ladies and gentlemen out there. I am Jason, your co-host with our sovereign Lord and Savior Christ Jesus at our side because he is the host with the most and the most high. He is in charge. He is in the captain's chair at the helm and behind the wheel. Therefore, he is steering this great ship through these crazy rough waters that we call life. So welcome to his hard line. Today is Monday, 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 September 11th, 2023. That's right. And you are listening to episode 601. And today's show is called Our Foundation. We'll be doing... A reading going forward of the Magna Carta. We're going to break it up piece by piece. So today we'll be going over the Magna Carta, the first five sections of it. And we'll be doing a reading out of Psalm 72. And of course, daily disclaimer, I want to clarify that I am not a doctor, holistic health expert, financial advisor, pastor, priest, deacon, or biblical scholar, or a bar lawyer, and I do not possess any titles of nobility or offer legal advice. I do not have any political degree or have had any involvement with any unconstitutional three-letter corrupt agencies like the CIA or FBI. And while I am a member of the Michigan General General Assembly, and yes, I do advocate for your participation in the local General Assembly, I'm not your official vase or voice of the National State or County Assembly. I also want to emphasize that I have no affiliation with other groups who try to mimic the lawful assembly, such as the American States Assembly, National Liberty, Life Force, Beacon 37, RUSA, and Tactical Civics, or any other organizations outside the Michigan model. And I have never participated in any fraudulent status correcting associated with AVR, Bobby Lawrence, or David Street and Company. And furthermore, I do not endorse or advocate for violence. And additionally, I am also not a part of any cult. And definitely not a Freemason on any, any level. Please note that the opinions, thoughts, and statements on this platform are solely my own unless otherwise referenced. So there you go to all the Karens and Darrens out there. Okay. So, um, 
where do we begin? Where do we begin? So I guess I've been seeing a lot of clips out here and I've been hearing a lot of chatter about how today is Jesus's real birthday. Speaking of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. I mean, we all know December is not really his real date of birth, right? We know that. Um, but it's always been thought that he was you know, born here in September. Which happens to be, by the way, another certain somebody's birth month that might be here on this platform. Just saying. <clears throat> Just saying. Uh, somebody that I might be married to, I think. That he got a, she's got a birthday this week. <laughs> so uh, that's coming up later on in the week. So we'll, we'll do a bug a wife segment and we'll, we'll call her and wish her happy birthday and embarrass her a little bit. But more importantly, let's make her feel special. So that'd be nice. All right. But uh, so speaking of this, I mean, this is actually pretty interesting. Like I said, there's a lot of people saying that this is the month of of our Lord and Savior. So let's give this a quick listen to real quick. Uh, let me go to my audio real quick. Let's give this a listen to. I'm, I'm a little curious about this. Oh, wait, if I could just get to the right video, that would help, wouldn't it? We just learned that 9-11 was Jesus's real birthday. So they blew these up as a satanic ritual. Instead of celebrating the birth of Christ, we mourn the deaths of these people. Because they knew when Christ was born, it's right here in Revelations 12, 1 through 5. John saw a wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with sun. And she brought forth Jesus. And the woman John was referring to is the constellation Virgo. And clothed in sun is another celestial body, the sun, as it appears to travel through the ecliptic. And we know the days that this happens is August 27th through September 15th. But wait, we know exactly the day Jesus was born because of this next clue. Because the moon was under her feet. And if this happened in 3 BC, then there's only one day that this could have happened. And that's September 11th very easy to verify this is why the elites all know this and that's why they did that to those towers even more proof is that this is also noah's birthday even more proof that was the day that noah removed the covering of the ark after the 40 days of rain early jews even thought that this was the day that god created the earth itself and they celebrate this as the feast of trumpets so if you want to bring down the elite then celebrate christ's birthday on this september 11th Yeah, that's very interesting. Like my wife was just saying right here in the chat, uh, the Immaculate Conception date was December 8th. Uh, and then, of course, nine months later, you'd be in September. So this would make better sense. The timeline here would make much more, you know, make better sense. Um, so I guess happy birthday to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's that, I mean, in, in, you know, and yet here it, this is yet another lie. Okay, I mean, because the way this guy laid out the evidence, it seems like it's pretty indisputable if you actually break it down. Pretty easy to verify. But yet this is one of those things, of course, that they lie to us about. Yeah, but Jason, then what exactly are we celebrating December 25th then? I don't know. I think there was some other evil scumbag out there by the name of Nimrod. Remember Nimrod? I believe that's the one that they celebrate. Because again, Nimrod, do a little research. I believe his birthday was December 25th, but that's a different story, a different topic for a different show. We'll go down that maybe a different day. Um, clip number two I'm going to play is Donald Rumsfeld, the day before 9-11. Never forget that on September 10th, 2001, Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld mentioned in his speech, and I'm sure you all know and you guys all remember, I don't, this is just another reminder for anybody who hasn't heard this, 
But remember, the day before the Twin Towers were brought down, September 10th, he went on public TV and said they, that the Department of Defense could not track down $2.3 trillion in transactions from, like I said, from the Department of Defense budget. And guess what? That next day, what happened? Everybody forgot what Rumsfeld said, and they were just in complete shock about what happened. Let's listen to this little clip. We are, as they say, uh, tangled in our anchor chain. Our financial systems are decades old. According to some estimates, we cannot track $2.3 trillion in transactions. We cannot share information from floor to floor in this building because it's stored on dozens of different technological systems that are inaccessible or incompatible. Interesting, huh? Very, very interesting. Actually, there was also another... Um... There is another clip I had here. But anyway, but yeah, you know, where did that $2.3 trillion go exactly? You know, so, I mean, these are the things, again, these are the many lies and the many things. Well, first off, that wasn't a lie, but they put this information right there in broad daylight for all of us to see, for all of us to hear. But, of course, they know full well that the next day that the American you know, public at large across this land and probably the world, for that matter, would quickly forget about that the minute you put a traumatic situation, a traumatic experience and a stress on the nation by taking down not only one, not only two, but three buildings. And of course, presumably, supposedly, right? They tell us a plane went into the Pentagon, but we know better than that, right? These were either missiles or directed energy weapons. There's no way planes went into these facilities, into these structures, because again, Proof would tell you and proof would show you there was no plane debris. Okay, so again, anybody who thinks these were planes, do your research. That's all I'm going to tell you is just do your research. There's so much indisputable evidence that's out there that points that these were not planes. Um, they were exploded. I mean, look, when you have two of the tallest buildings in America that fall down flat in its own footprint, I'm sorry, but, you know, first off, Little planes like a Boeing do not take down to a big building like that, number one. Number two, it doesn't take down a building perfectly in its own footprint without strategic engineered detonation and explosives. Again, use logic, folks. But again, because they taught us a narrative, they told us and fed us a narrative and shoved it down our throats, people took a hook, line, and sinker and thought nothing of it and completely forgot about what Donald Rumsfeld said the day before about the missing $2.3 trillion. So, yeah, just these are the kind of things that people are starting to learn and are coming more to grips of the reality of what really is versus what has been uh, brainwashed in our little you know, minds. All right. Now, clip number three I want to play here is by our favorite friend, Buddy Brown. I haven't played any of his clips lately. Um, just haven't looked at his YouTube, to be quite honest. Not that I was taking a hi hiatus from him, but he talks about and he comments a little bit on the October 4th FEMA slash FCC uh, national emergency test that's going to be coming up here at the beginning of October in less than a month. Uh, let's hear his take on all of this. So as far as the October 4 alert goes, I'm going to be a hard pass on this one. Look, unless they're about to read the Epstein client list on this thing on live air for all of us to hear, I don't want to know about it. But my question is to y'all, you know, if they're going to do a test, y'all ever notice before they run a roller coaster, they do a 
test? Are they about to put us through a big roller coaster? Yeah, I think that would be a wise question to actually ask. Y'all ever been in a room, though, with a bunch of people when just a simple Amber Alert goes off? It's scary as hell. Everybody thinks they did something wrong. And the truth is, this is going to be something that is going to incite fear in a whole lot of people that don't know what's going on. We can announce this all day long, October 4th, October 4th. And a lot of people still are just going to forget. A lot of people are never going to hear about it. But fear is the best method for control. We've known that since the beginning of time. Here's why I call BS on this whole alert. And I'd rather honestly take a hammer to my phone than have this thing go off on that particular day. They've already proven that they won't sound the alarms if a real emergency is going on. Maui, remember that much? We've talked about that at length here. No alarms were sounded that were supposed to be the most high-tech things in the world. Now you're gonna tell us that we're gonna sound all the alarms? We're gonna let everybody know? Bull crap. So I'm already looking for misdirection. Do y'all see the steps that are in play here? Everybody I know is still in 2023 right now, still walking around, just mentally screwed up from the lockdown, from being two years taken out of our lives. You can't travel, you're locked down, or you can't travel like you want to travel. That's for damn sure. Everybody is now engaging in more road rage than we've ever seen in our lives. People are throwing stuff at left fielders and MLB games. They're attacking uh, entertainers on stage. They're losing their minds because we haven't mentally recovered for this. You send us back into another lockdown. You send us back into another bad situation. I feel like Americans, we're going to blow our tops off. One thing my granddad always used to say is a predator always salivates over his prey when he's wounded and he's limping, just like we are right now. What a brilliant time to go in for the real pain, you know? <laughs> and I want to be clear here. I'm not at all in any way saying that I know something's going to happen or I feel like something's going to happen because I can't make that statement. But I do feel like if I was a supervillain, okay, this would be the perfect time to let all hell break loose. This would also be the perfect time to play a little mass formation psychosis. Y'all know my background is in psychology. That's where my brain goes every single time. I cannot help it. Okay, but there's a guy named Robert Malone. He was on Joe Rogan, I guess, uh, two, three months back or something like that. It was a real interesting episode. If you ever caught that, he was talking about this, for, this complete phenomenon called mass formation psychosis, in which he says, when you have a society that's become so dis just disengaged and they don't know who to believe, what to think, all the information, uh, looks true, but it's false or false and it looks and it's actually true and nobody has any clue where to go or what to believe. When you have that kind of situation, they will all look to their leaders and they will follow those people to hell and back because they got nobody else to follow. And as far as this information thing going out, look, the worst human instinct in the world is feeling like I got left out. I missed the message. I'm not on the mailing list. And when a real alert happens or a real war in the middle of the night from God knows where or what, I'm not going to be misinformed. So everybody's going to follow these people to hell and back, y'all. So I'm not saying this is what they're doing, but I am saying I ain't going to trust it. So on October 4th, 2.20 Eastern Standard Time, you better believe I'm going to be down at the gun range. I'm going to have my phone in my truck because what the hell are they trying to get us ready for? Pay attention. I just want to give y'all a heads up to keep your head on a swivel. This right here, this channel, these people, y'all, me, we're the first line of defense. God bless y'all. Be good. Yeah, that's right. You know, what? like I said, you know, like he said, you know, they, fear is the number one motivator to get people moving in a direction that, you know, people with the wrong intentions, um, you know, have in mind. They, they know fear is a big driving component 
right? To, to getting what they want done. It's um, a form, mass formation psychosis. But again, there's a lot of people that are actually out there Googling October 4th. They're, they, I mean, that's one of the biggest search uh, phrases out there uh, so far right now. Uh, maybe not the top one, but it is one of the most popular ones that people are looking at, into. But like he was saying, there's not a lot of people that even know what's going on or what's going to be happening on October 4th. They're going to hear that alert and they're going to freak the heck out because, again, it's something that's going to hit everybody's phone, everybody's device. You can't turn it off. It's technically it was deemed the presidential alert. They don't call it that anymore. But when people hear that, even though it's a test, you know damn well that it's going to get so many people in a tizzy. And people are, that's all people are going to be talking about. It's going to be quite interesting to, to say the least. So, uh, we'll just, you know, we'll just have to pay attention on that day. You know, we'll just have to see what, what goes on. Um, I'm just reading the chat here. Oscar was asking, hi folks, new black background, Jason, new black background. What's going, where are you seeing that at Oscar? The, uh, the black background on the camera or the, on Podbean? Confused. Nothing looks different on my end. I'm a little, I, I might need to ask you a little bit more detail on that, but if you can elaborate, I'm just curious what you're talking about there. The pod bean chat. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. That's, it looks all the same for me here, but I'm on a desktop. So unless you're seeing it on a phone, uh, he says pod bean background was brown. Now it's black. Interesting. Um, it was brown. Now it's black. Huh, I wonder what it could have been. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I have no idea. Maybe Podbean's just doing updates, possibly. I have no idea. Uh, my wife was saying mine has always been black. Huh, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I just see one straight uh, color. Right now I'm doing a screen share. By the way, if anybody is listening on Telegram, um, you'll be able to see my ugly mug and my homemade studio here. Um, and then of course I have a screen share where you can actually also see the pod being uh, live chat. So it's like a split screen. So anyway, all right. Well, in case you might not be familiar with it, there is a timeline. I've read it before on a previous show. Okay. Um, it, you could find this timeline for Michigan on michigandejure.org, right? And that details in chronological order, an overview of the Michigan general general assembly's effort. Uh, efforts to establish original jurisdiction, right? And to all, you know, to uphold the rights and liberties of the people of Michigan. Now, that timeline also highlights the actions and dedication over the years since its beginning point to create a de jure grand jury and establish a de jure Republican form of government. Now, that timeline also emphasizes the importance of education, awareness, and unity in our quest to return to that original jurisdiction. Now, today, I kind of wanted to focus just a little bit, you know, just briefly on the incredible journey thus far of the MGJA, because that journey has been fueled by tons of dedication, a lot of commitment by people that came before even me and many others, right? Uh, there's so many people that have worked so hard thus far for the last 10, 11, years at this, right? They have that, what you would call an unyielding spirit for justice and freedom. And as we look back at the MGJA's remarkable efforts, of course, which 
um, Destry was a part of back in the day before he went up to Alaska to replicate the process. He was, by and large, a big part of this, of these efforts, these remarkable efforts. And this reminds us of the power of what ordinary people coming together can do in order to make an extraordinary difference. Now, I'm not going to go through the entire timeline, but we'll just kind of sum it up a little bit. Remember, January 2010, a very small group of individuals, they set out on a mission to establish a de jure grand jury, which, by the way, is superior to the de facto grand jury as it states in Corpus Juris Secundum, Volume 38A, and to uphold the rights of the people. And so they plunged headfirst on a relentless journey of research and action and refused to stop until justice prevailed. And we're still going, of course. Right. And over the years, the MGJA achieved remarkable milestones. The MGJA established um, operations and functions. Right. They, uh, they, they, they established that document and a county settlement covenant. And they boldly declared their authority and their rights based on organic historical documents. And they published these declarations in legal papers, leaving no room for rebuttal. They even went so far as to reach out to the international community, international bodies like The Hague and The Wall Street Journal, right? And they ensured just to make sure that their message reached around the world. Now, back in 2012, the MGJA took a bold step, reseating the Federal House of Representatives and Senate, establishing a de jure Republican form of government. Now, their purpose was very clear, right? To orchestrate elections under military oversight creating a federal superior government over the de facto, giving the military civilian authority. Let me repeat that. And giving the military civilian authority. See, all this, not as a military coup, but as a solemn oath to defend the Constitution and the people. Now, their actions were published for public notice, and then it was sent to the nation state, inviting others to join their cause. Now, we've certainly faced a lot of challenges and, and, and even some threats. And some of you out there in the MGJA, you know what I'm talking about. Destry, I'm sure, is of many threats in his time. But we are persevering while finding critical pieces of the procedure and finding more pieces of this, of this puzzle and carefully researching every step as we put it together. Now, this assembly's dedication and unwavering commitment, and, and make no mistake, I, Alaska is also included in this as well, being a you know settled state. And hopefully, Missouri will be number three to be settled by the end of the year. But the assembly's dedication and unwavering commitment to restoring original jurisdiction should remind us that democracy does not work for large numbers. I mean, we all know that. Democracy is socialism. Socialism is pretty much, you know, communist light. And our historical documents support the Republican form of government, one that honors our God-given rights and liberties. Now, as we look back and reflect on those who came before us and their journey, let us renew our resolve and efforts to preserve the land and rights that our forefathers fought for. And we also need to remember that change does not happen overnight. I know we all think it should. We all want it to happen overnight. But let's be real. The fact of the matter is, is that we didn't get to this place overnight. Therefore, the remedy is not going to take overnight. It's just like gaining weight. You don't just gain 100 pounds overnight. The same thing with losing it. It takes time. There's a process that needs to play out. Now, 
we are here today because like the Michigan General General Assembly, we believe in justice, right? We believe in freedom and in the power of the people. And we may be a few, but history has shown that a few dedicated individuals can ignite a revolution. And so I am going to boldly say that we need to stand together. We need to educate ourselves and others and continue the fight to claim our nation and for our rights. And just as they found pieces of the puzzle together, we can continue to find more pieces as needed, of course, to restore our governance to its original jurisdiction, which is a republic that shines as a beacon unto the world. This is what we're always continuously talking about on a daily and weekly basis. And we're going to keep talking about it until we get this out in the mainstream. And guess what? When it gets to the mainstream, we're going to still keep pounding it because this is something that can never be forgotten. And the application has to be on constant, like on press play mode. It can never be on stop or pause. We always have to be pressing forward on this. Now, let's get to the reading. Psalm 72, okay, uh, where we talk about the reign of a righteous king. All right, the song, a Psalm of Solomon. And it reads, only 20 verses here, but it reads, Give the king your judgments, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your afflicted with justice. Let the mountains bring peace to the people and the hills in righteousness. May he vindicate the afflicted of the people, save the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. Let them fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he come down like rain upon the mown, mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and the abundance of peace till the moon is no more. May he also rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Let, let the nomads of the desert bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. Let the kings of Tarshish and of the islands bring presents and the kings of Sheba and Seba offer gifts. And let all kings bow down before him, all nations serve him. For he will deliver the needy when he cries for help, the afflicted also in him who has no helper. He will have compassion on the poor and needy and the lives of the needy he will save. He will rescue their, their life from oppression and violence, and their blood will be precious in his sight. So may he live, and may the gold of Sheba be given to him, and let them pray for him continually. Let them bless him all day long. May there be abundance of grain in the earth on top of the mountains. Its fruit will wave like the cedars of Lebanon. And may those from the city flourish like vegetation of the earth. May his name endure forever. May his name increase as long as the sun shines and let men bless themselves by him and let all nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone works wonders and blessed be his glorious name forever. And may the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse are ended. Now that concludes, ladies and gentlemen, first off, not only the reading of chapter 72, but that also concludes the second book of Psalms. There is a third book that starts with Psalm 73. So like we did with the first book, we are going to give Psalms a break now going forward. I'm not sure what we're going to get into next, but this concludes the second book of Psalms. And the third book starts with uh, Psalm 73. So we're going to take a break from Psalms and we're going to go move on to somewhere else and then we'll come back and we'll do the third book of Psalms.
you know, what we want to do here at the moment for this last psalm, Psalm 72, it is, of course, without a doubt, a beautiful song that paints a picture of the kind of leader that we all hope for, right? The one that we also need to be as we the people in the assembly, right? Because we we need this in our own communities as well as on the bigger stage. See, imagine having a leader for, for, for an instance who's all about doing what's right, right? And making sure justice is served. We're talking about someone who cares deeply for the less fortunate, who's there for them when they need help the most. This leader doesn't just stop at fairness and compassion. They create a atmosphere of peace and harmony. It's kind of like the whole world is in sync because of their wise and just role. Now, here's the thing. Now, this vision isn't just about one nation or one group of people. It's about leaders who bring everyone together regardless of where they're from. True unity. It's about leaders whose influence knows no border. Or knows no borders, I should say. Now, I'm not saying that borders are bad. I'm just saying when it comes to the unity of the people, that unity knows no bounds and borders. Now, what's even more special is that this kind of leadership doesn't fade away. It's like a legacy that just keeps shining, right? Just like the sun. And in our own world today, where leaders come and go, mostly go because they're not even leaders, they come and they they plunder the people and, and then they fade away. Or in some cases, like certain people who are dinosaurs, they, they, they hang on for dear life trying to oppress the people for as long as they can before they die. But, you know, we need to, we need to think about this timeless message because we need to challenge ourselves as well as our leaders, not just in de facto, right? Okay, and there's very little leaders in the de facto, but within our de jure self-governing system that we are building among the states. We need to challenge ourselves as well as those leaders to be the kind of people who stand up for what's right. And believe me, we have a lot of those people. We have a lot of those people right here in the chat. Not only for standing up for what's right, but who show kindness, right? Who show love, who work hard and make a world a more peaceful place, a better place. We need to remember that these qualities aren't just for big leaders, right? They're for all of us, little and large, doesn't matter. And we can all be leaders in our own way, in our own communities, in our own households, right? At our, at our job, we can all work towards a world where fairness, justice, and kindness aren't just words, but that's just how the way, you know, the way we live, right? So we need to take a moment to reflect on these words from Psalm 72 and think about how can we bring them to life? How can we bring this to life in our own lives and in the world around us? How can we apply these things, especially within the reassembly of states? So in closing, you know, we need to keep these thoughts with us and strive to make them a reality in our everyday lives and within our communities. Now, I'll take a quick little, little water break for a second. I've been doing a lot of talking now. Ah, there's nothing like good lemon water. 
love lemon water. So good. Especially when you're taking ivermectin. You know that, right? If you're taking ivermectin, the horse pace, you know, that they all demonized on the news, you got to drink lemon water as a binder. So then when it kills the parasites in your body, it attaches to something and flushes it out out of your system. Lemon water. So just in case you didn't know any of that. In fact, we just got... uh, we just got our, our order of 12 boxes of ivermectin, by the way. That was cool. In fact, when the first box came, we only got six. I was like, uh-oh. I was like, this isn't good. So I called the company, which, by the way, is called KV Supply. K as in my wife, Katie, right? KV as in Victor. KV Supply. Um, I guess the company's been around for quite some time. They're located in Pennsylvania. So, yeah, my first package came just off topic for a minute. And only six of them came in the box. I said, "Uh uh-oh. I'm like, this kind of sucks. I'm like, how am I going to prove this? Because my my statement or whatever that they put in there, my receipt, it showed 12 boxes, but in the box was only six. So I was like, okay, well, let's see how this goes. I'm expecting this to be a fight. So I call the customer service, make a long story short, lady picks up, and I asked her, I said, hi, yeah, I said, I ordered, you know, by Mecton, Ivermectin from you guys on your website. I ordered 12. I'm just curious. I got one box. Is there a second box floating around by chance that I don't know about? And so she checks on the account and looks up the uh, order history. And she's like, no, no. The only box we sent you looks like it arrived today. I'm like, okay. Uh, we have a little problem, though, with the box that came. She goes, okay, well, what's going on? I said, well, I ordered 12. She goes, uh-huh. That's what I see. I said, but there's only six in the box. Oh, that's not good. I'm like, no. I'm like, so like, how do we resolve this? <laughs> I'm like, because I'm struggling here to figure out how I'm going to prove to you that only six came in a box. So, you know, I'm not like pulling your ch- you know leg here. She goes, I'm just going to trust that you're telling me the truth and we'll just send out another six. I said, really? She goes, yeah. I'm like, that's it? She goes, that's it. I was like, wow. I'm like, here, I was thinking this was going to be a big fight and argument and trying to prove my case. At which that point, I was just going to try to, you know, dispute half the charges then with my bank to get half those charges refunded to me because I'm not paying somebody something that I didn't receive the full product for. But they were super cool about it. They were super, super cool about it and very accommodating. KV Supply. They're based out of Pennsylvania. It's basically a pet store, uh, you know, online store. But you can get ivermectin for your horses and stuff for goats and cows and dogs and cats and everything in between. So it was a good deal. 12 boxes for like 98 bucks. Wasn't too bad. And I didn't have to go to tractor supply to supply either. So it was pretty neat. So, okay. A little off topic. Um, let me just scroll down to my next part here. So what we're going to be doing before I get into reading the first five parts of the Magna Carta, this is very interesting. Somebody put this, they posted this on my Telegram page in the chat. And it says, you will not believe that this was aired on Fox. Check this out. Does the government work for us or do we work for the government? Tonight, what if the Constitution no longer applied? What if the whole purpose of the Constitution was to limit the government? What if Congress's enumerated powers in the Constitution no longer limited Congress, but were actually used as a justification to extend Congress's authority over every realm of human life? 
What if the president, meant to be an equal to Congress, has instead become a democratically elected term-limited monarch? What if the president assumed that everything he did was legal just because he's the president? What if he could interrupt your regularly scheduled radio and TV programming for a special message from him? What if he could declare war on his own? What if he could read your emails and your texts without a search warrant? What if he could kill you without warning? What if Supreme Court justices no longer looked to the Constitution to determine the constitutionality of a law, but rather simply to what justices who preceded them thought about it? What if the rights and principles guaranteed in the Constitution have been so distorted in the past 200 years as to be unrecognizable by the founders? What if the 50 states were no longer sovereign entities, equals to each other, and parents of the federal government they voluntarily constituted? What if the states were mere provinces of a totally nationalized and fully centralized government? What if the Constitution was amended stealthily, not by constitutional amendments duly ratified by the states, but by the constant and persistent expansion of the federal government's role in our lives? What if the federal government decided if its own powers were proper and constitutional? What if the Constitution were no longer the supreme law of the land? What if you needed a license from the government to speak, to assemble, or to protest against the government? Did you hear what he asked? What if you needed a license to speak or to assemble? Well, guess what? We don't. And we'll never need one because the tides are turning. But this is very intriguing, to say the least, that this was being aired on Fox. Continuing. What if the government didn't like what you planned to say and so it didn't give you the license? What if the right to keep and bear arms only applied to the government? What if posse comitatus, the federal law that prohibits our military from occupying our streets, were no longer in effect? What if the government considered the military an adequate dispenser of domestic law enforcement? What if cops looked and acted like troops and you couldn't distinguish the military from the police? What if you were not secure? in your person, in your papers, and in your property? What if federal agents could write their own search warrants in defiance of the Constitution? What if the government could decide when you were and were not entitled to a jury trial? What if the government could take your property whenever it wanted? What if the government could continue prosecuting you until it got the verdict it wanted? What if the government could force you to testify against yourself simply by labeling you a domestic terrorist? What if the government could torture you until you said what the government wanted to hear? What if people running for president actually supported torture? What if the government tortured your children to get to you? What if government judges and government lawyers intimidated juries into convicting the innocent? What if the government could send you to your death and your innocence meant nothing so long as the government's procedures were followed? What if America's prison population, the largest in the world, was a cruel and unusual way for a country to be free? What if half the prison population never harmed anyone? but themselves? What if the people had no rights except those the government chose to let them have? What if the states had no rights except to do as the federal government commanded? What if our elected officials didn't really live among us, but instead all had their hearts and homes in Washington, D.C.? What if the government could strip you of your rights because of where your mother was when you were born? What if the income tax was unconstitutional? What if the states were convinced to give up their representation in Congress? What if the government tried to ban you from using a substance in your body that is older than the government itself? What if voting didn't mean anything anymore because both political parties stand for big government? 
What if the government could write any law, regulate any behavior, and tax any event? The Constitution be damned. What if the government was the reason we don't have a Constitution anymore? What if you could love your country, but hate what the government has done to it? What if sometimes, to love your country, you had to alter or abolish the government? What if Jefferson was right? What if that government is best which governs least? What if I'm right? What if the government is wrong? What if it is dangerous to be right when the government is wrong? What if it is better to perish fighting for freedom than to live as a slave? What if freedom's greatest hour of danger is now? So what did you all think of that? What did you all think of that? That was very, uh, I found that to be very interesting. And I, I know I say a lot of things are interesting, but I found that to be quite extremely interesting to say the least, because again, this was on Fox. And, and, and it's interesting, like, like Oscar was saying, no, what if, what, if, what if it's all true? Well, it is all true. Everything that guy was saying is very true. Now, here's what I see happening. That was a very compelling piece that was put out there in the public purview on mainstream media. Nancy was just saying right here, MSM is coming around, question mark. I think it's because they are under control by white hats. And again, it's a slow rollout of this information. See, I think this is what's going to end up happening. Now, again, this is Jason Jones's opinion here. This is not fact, but I think going forward from now going into next year, we're going to see more and more and more of all of this come out as far as waking people up. To get them to prompt them into action, into assembling. People are going to start trying to figure out, wow, all this stuff really is true. And we need to figure out how to freaking, you know, we need to figure out how we remedy our situation. That piece that I played there, now somebody posted on my Telegram, but Oscar was saying that was originally aired back in 2012. So over 10 years ago, that was aired. Like Destry was just saying right here, drip, drip, and then flood. That's right. I think we're going to see more of this information come out heavier and heavier and heavier. Now, the next part I wanted to get into is kind of go over the Magna Carta. So we went over the Judiciary Act of 1789. And now what I think is really important, because like I said, I want to start getting back into reading some of our documents, some of our founding documents, little pieces here and there, right? And continuously learning. Now, the preamble of the Magna Carta goes on to read by saying, by the grace of God, King of England, Lord of Israel, Duke of Normandy and Aquitaine, and the Count of Anjou, to the Archbishop, Bishops, Abbots, earls, barons, judici- uh, justiciary, uh, justica- uh, bleh, I can't even say that word, 
justiciaries, uh, foresters, sheriffs, stewards, servants, and to all his bailiffs and liege subjects. Greetings. Know that having regard to God and for the salvation of our soul and those of all our ancestors and heirs and unto the honor of God and the advancement of his holy church and for the rectifying of our realm, we have granted as unwritten by advice of our uh, venerable fathers, Stephen, Archbishop of Canterbury, primate of all England and cardinal of the Holy Roman Church. Henry, Archbishop of Dublin, William of London, Peter of Winchester, Jocelyn of Bath and, and Glastonbury, Hugh of Lincoln, Walter of Worcester, uh, William of Coventry, Benedict of Rochester, bishops and Master Pandolf, subdeacon and member of the household of our Lord, the Pope of Brother a a uh, Americ, Master of the Knights of the Templar in England, and of the illustrious men, William Marshall, Earl of Pembroke, William, Earl of Salisbury, William, Earl of Warrene, William, Earl of Arundel, Allen of Galloway, Constable of Scotland, Warren Fitzgerald, Peter Fitzherbert, uh, Hubert de Burr, Der Berg. Yeah, I think that's how you say that. I tell you, these are, some of these names are a little off the wall for me to try to pronounce. Uh, Senchel of Apoitoi. Uh, Hugh de Neville or Neville, uh, Matthew Fitzherbert, Thomas Bassett, Alan Bassett, Philip de uh, Abigny, Robert of Rapulsey, John Marshall, and Fitzhugh, and others, our liegemen. Now, the first part of the Magna Carta says, In the first place, we have granted to God, and by this, our present charter confirmed for us and our heirs forever that the England church, English church shall be free and shall have her rights entire and her liberties inviolate. And we will that it will be thus observed, which is apparent from this, that the freedom of elections, which is reckoned most important and very essential to the English church, we of our pure and unconstrained will did grant and did by our charter confirm and did obtain the ratification of the same from our Lord, Pope Innocent III, before the quarrel arose between us and our barons. And this we will observe, and our will is that it be observed in good faith by our heirs forever. We have also granted to all free men of our kingdom for us and our heirs forever all the underwritten liberties to be had and held by them and their heirs of us and our heirs forever. Now, in this passage, this first passage here, Number one in the Magna Carta, it states that the English church shall be, uh, you know, uh, shall be free and have its rights and liberties protected. Right. And this freedom includes the crucial right to hold elections without interference. <laughs> that's rich because uh, that's one of the reasons why executive order one, three, eight, four, eight exists is because of election interference with different actors and entities around the world who are trying to take down this nation. But these rights and liberties of the English church were granted voluntarily and without coercion by the king, and they were confirmed in the charter. And they had also been approved by Pope Innocent III before any conflict arose between the king and his barons. And so the king and his heirs were committed to upholding these rights and liberties for the church, and they expect that future monarchs will do the same. And additionally, the charter grants certain liberties to all freemen in the kingdom, which are to be held by them and their heirs forever. 
So basically, in essence, this passage emphasizes the importance of the religious freedom and the protection of the English church rights and liberties, as well as the extensions of certain liberties to all free men in the kingdom. And it reflects the king's commitment to these principles and his desire for them to be upheld by his successors. Now, the second part of the Magna Carta reads like this. If any of our earls or barons or other holding others holding of us in chief by military service shall have died, and at the time of his death his heir shall be full of rage, or excuse me, full of age, and owe relief. He shall have his inheritance by the old relief, to wit, the heir or heirs of an earl, for the whole baronetcy of an earl by L one hundred, the heir or heirs of a baron L one hundred. Uh, I'm not sure what that L100 is, but for a whole barony, the heir or heirs of a knight, the hundreds, which we all it's we all know about the you know book of hundreds, but at most, and whoever owes less, let him give less according to the ancient custom of fees. So what's this saying here? Well, this passage of the Magna Carta, the second part of the passage here, establishes rules regarding the inheritance of titles and lands for those who held them from the king by military service. So basically, if an earl or a baron or anyone holding land directly from the king for military services passes away and their heir is full is of a full age and owes a relief, a fee to inherit, the heir can actually claim the inheritance by paying the customary relief. And so the specific relief amounts are set to um, set um, as the heir of an earl pays a hundred pounds for the entire Earl's uh, barony. Um, and the heir of a baron pays a hundred pounds for the entire barony. And the heir of a knight pays a maximum of a hundred shillings. But if the fee is less according to ancient custom, then they, play a, they pay a lesser amount. And so basically in summary, this particular passage outlines the fees, uh, also known as reliefs, that heirs must pay to inherit titles and lands held by their deceased relatives who owed military service to the king. And so these fees were standardized for different ranks, making the process more transparent and predictable. Now, the third section of the Magna Carta, it says, if, however, the heir of any one of the aforesaid has been under age and in wardship, let him have his inheritance without relief and without fine when he comes of age. So basically what this is saying is that um, it states that if the heirs of an earl, baron, or anyone holding land directly from the king for military service is under age and under wardship, meaning legal guardianship, at the time of inheriting, they should receive their inheritance without having to pay a relief fee or any fine when they reach the age of majority, a.k.a. adulthood. So in essence, what it does is it protects the rights of the underage heirs who are unable to pay such fees until they are of an age where they can manage their inheritance. So this provision ensures that they are not unfairly burdened with financial obligations while they are still minors. Now we're going to do two more sections. So section four. It reads, the guardian of the land of an heir who is thus under age shall take from the land of the heir nothing but reasonable produce, reasonable customs, and reasonable services, and that without destruction or waste of men or goods, and if we have committed the wardship of the lands of any such minor to the sheriff or to any other who is responsible to us for its issues, and he has made destruction or waster, that's a weird word, or waster, 
of what he holds in wardship, we will take of him amends, and the land shall be committed to two lawful and discreet men of that fee, who shall be responsible for the issues, to us or to him to whom we shall assign them, and if we have given or sold the wardship any such land to anyone, and he has therein made destruction or, or waste, he shall lose that wardship, and it shall be transferred to two lawful and discreet men of that fife who shall be responsible to us in like manner as aforesaid. Jason, what in the heck did you just read? All right, let's break that down for a second. So the pat this particular passage from the Magna Carta, again, passage number four, outlines rules for the guardianship of lands and estates of underage heirs. So for example, the guardian or the person responsible overseeing the minor's affairs of an heir who is underage can only take res reasonable income, okay? Reasonable income, or also known as produce, and customary payments and services from the land. So importantly, this must be done without causing harm or waste to the people or property on the land. So in other words, you just can't take whatever the heck you want, thinking that's what you do and what you're owed at the expense of destroying the land. That's not how that works. That's why that passage was written. And so if the king had appointed a sheriff or another person to be responsible for the income and management of the land during the heir's minority, and that person causes harm or waste to the property, guess what? They will be held accountable and the land will be entrusted to two trustworthy individuals from the same estate. And these two individuals will be responsible for managing the land's income and they will answer either to the king or to someone appointed by the king. And so if the king was granted or sold, the guardianship of the land to someone else and that person causes harm or waste to that property, well, guess what? They will lose the right to be the guardian and knowing that the responsibility will be lost and will be transferred to two lawful and prudent individuals from the same estate who will manage the land as outlined above. So basically in summary, this passage ensures that the guardians of underage heirs act responsibly and do not harm or exploit the lands of the properties they oversee. So if they fail in this duty, guess what? They will be replaced by individuals who will manage the estate more prudently. Now, the last section of the Magna Carta here, of this show, the last section of this show, section five, and we'll continue this on over the next week or so. But it says, it reads, The guardian, moreover, so long as he has the wardship of the land, shall keep up the houses, parks, fish ponds, stakes, stinks. That's a weird word, stank. I wonder, what, I, wonder, I wonder what a stank is. Let's look that up real quick. Hold on a second. Noah, we're going to pause for a second for a quick word lookup. That's a very interesting word, a stank. What's a stank? Stank. All right. A stank. Uh, let's see. There's a couple of, couple of different definitions. So there's one that says it's an adjective, meaning weak or worn out, uh, of a transitive verb, meaning to sigh. Um, another definition, old preterit tense of stink. And then the last definition says a dam or mound to stop water. Hmm. Well, there you go. Stink. <laughs> stink. That's a funny word. Um, 
mills and other things pertaining to the land out of the issues of the same land, and he shall restore to the heir when he has come to full age all his land stocked with plows and wainage, according as the season of husbandry shall require, and the issues of the land can reasonably bear. All right, what's this talking about then? Well, basically this passage, passage number five in the Magna Carta, outlines additional responsibilities of a guardian who has been trusted with the wardship of an underage heir's land, right? And so the guardian is required to maintain the various aspects of the land, including houses, parks, fish ponds, stinks, which, as we just read, are pretty much ponds or reservoirs, mills, and other property associated with the land. And so the funds for the maintenance expenses should come from the income generated by the same land, right? And so when their heir reaches the age of majority, also known as adulthood or full age, the guardian must return to them all of their land in good condition. And this land should also be equipped with the necessary farming tools, such as plows and wainage, wagons and carts, according to what is reasonable and suitable for the agricultural needs of the season. And so this ensures that the heir receives their property back in a state that allows them to effectively manage it for their own benefit. So basically, in essence, this provision emphasizes that the guardians are responsible for not only protecting the financial interest of underage heirs, but also for maintaining the physical assets associated with the land and ensuring a smooth transition of control and resources back to the heir once they reach adulthood. So there you go. Those are the first five sections of the Magna Carta. So I hope, I hope this, I hope you guys get benefit out of this. I really do because I know a lot of people won't read this stuff. And so, like I said, I'm going to get back to how I used to do this show a little bit um, by reading some of these documents, but we're going to break it down in more uh, bite-sized pieces. So it's a little easier for people to, you know, listen to and absorb it. We'll do like a little summation of it and kind of break it down a little bit rather than just read the whole document in its entirety. And by the end of the show, you're like, blah, 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 blah. like, what did I just hear? Like, what did I, do? You, you, you will retain nothing if we do it like that. If you're like me, you, 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 you soak information in in bite-sized pieces, right? It's like they say, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You're not going to destroy the whole thing. And so that's what we're going to do with this information. We're going to take it little bites at a time and we're going to break it down and try to understand it. And we're going to keep working through it little by little each day. Okay. We're in no hurry to get through this. There's no time frame. We're going to get it done when it gets done. And then we'll take a break from you know, a reading historical documents. And then uh, maybe a week later, we'll get into something else. Okay. But I feel like the Magna Carta is a very important thing that we needed to, you know, to dive into. So anyways, but uh, I think this would be a perfect place to end and do a prayer. So if you wouldn't mind, bow your head and fold your hands. Dear Heavenly Father, as we are gathered here on this podcast, we turn to you with open hearts, inspired by a timeless message that was shared earlier with Psalm 72, and we come to you and we ask for your guidance and strength, as we always do on a nightly basis. Uh, we pray for our leaders, both near and far. We pray for the reassembly of our states, and we ask that you just bless us with wisdom and a deep sense of justice. And help us lead with fairness and compassion, as well as humility, so that our communities and nations may thrive in peace. 
We also pray for those that are in need. Uh, There's a lot of people out there that are suffering physically, emotionally, spiritually. There's a lot of people that are in pain and they're dealing with cancer. They're dealing with infertility. They're dealing with, you know, pains in general, just from unknown, stupid things that occur in the body. We ask for healing. We ask for your healing touch. We ask for you to comfort these people in their time of distress. Uh, Bring them relief, Father. Please let these people find solace in your healing and in your embrace. I pray for my wife. Um, Thank you, Lord, that it wasn't a serious issue the other day at the hospital. Um, But I just, we all pray for healing and for the pain for my wife and her discomfort to go away. Pray for healing for my mother-in-law. I have a buddy at work. His wife is dealing with breast cancer, which seems to be pretty aggressive. Please heal her. And anybody else that is dealing with illness and disease and other health hardships, we just ask that you help those in need. Uh, We ask that you also, Oscar puts here, we ask that you help heal the land of of ignorance, uh, of the truth, And, oh, and yes, and we also pray that my stepfather, whose birthday is today, by the way, happy birthday, Tony, that's my stepfather. Uh, He has a hip surgery this Thursday, so we pray that the doctors work uh, very smoothly and effortlessly to uh, get through that hip replacement surgery and that he recovers and gets through that uh, very, very quickly. Uh, I'm sorry, I think his is tomorrow, not Thursday, tomorrow. But either way, we pray for him and and anybody else that is dealing with um, health, health related things, no matter what it is. We just pray that, you know, everybody's prayers are getting answered, that especially those who call on your son's name, Jesus. Uh, In this moment of reflection, we lift up our special intentions, right? Prayers for those who have special intentions and, and each one of us carry our own hopes, our own dreams. And, you know, we all have our own concerns in our hearts. And we ask that you hear these intentions, even those unspoken and grant us the strength and guidance to navigate through life's challenges. And so, you know, in closing, we just offer our thanks and we give extreme gratitude to you for the wisdom that surrounds us on a daily basis And we thank you for the strength to carry us forward and may continue to work towards a better world through our actions and through our prayers. And we offer all these words in your Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. And so I hope you all have an excellent, excellent, excellent day or night wherever you're at in the world. And, um, I tell you, it's it's uh, it's been a it's been a very weird and rocky year. I mean, with with, you know, especially like I said, this weekend, we weren't expecting an ER visit, you know, but there we were. You know, I mean, these are the types of things that just occur, right? It just occurs. It blindsides you and you're like, what in the freaking heck just happened? Why is this happening? And, you know, it's crazy. My wife's not the only one that was dealing with this kind of stuff. Uh, we're, we're seeing a few people within our circles here uh, that's within the assembly. Their loved ones are dealing with similar stuff, health, health-related issues, and, and it, it almost seems like an attack of sorts, right? Because remember, Michigan's at the forefront of all this when it comes to the reassembling of our nation. Michigan is the leader in this pack. Michigan, Alaska, and there is definitely a spiritual attack going on in the background. There's without a doubt. So we keep our prayers up. 
keep the fight moving forward and we will not let these tyrants oppress us any longer. So we're going to continue to self-educate. We're going to continue to keep coming back here, share this podcast, share this platform with other people and the friends and family out there. People need to learn this stuff. Okay. We can't be doing drip, drip, drips anymore. It's time to open up the floodgates and get this information out in full blast. All right. Oh, and you know, what's interesting. Yeah. I'm glad my wife said that. Let me uh, let me let me pause the music for a second. Yeah, so this was interesting. I do got to pl- I got I do got to talk about this real quick. This was really really interesting. So when my wife was in the hospital, you guys will freaking freak out at this. This was insane. When she was in the hospital, so we got her checked in. She got admitted. We got her into her room, and we were waiting for the doctors to come in. They got her hooked up to an IV to get some fluids in her and keep her hydrated and so on and so forth. Now I had just gotten off of work and I got to the family cottage. Cause this was, we were, you know, we were at the family cottage there in Fremont, uh, visiting with family and her sister and my brother-in-law was out there with their kids. And, you know, we were all out there having family time. And then of course she had this pain that was so unbearable. We ended up going to the hospital. Well, she gets checked into the hospital. I don't have any clothes with me because I'm not expecting to stay overnight. I was going to go back home and go to sleep after visiting. So after we got her checked in the hospital, I go home to go grab an overnight bag. I call sick the next day so I could be with her and grabbed an overnight bag, got showered, and I'm driving back. And I call her, let her know I'm coming back. She goes, yeah, the weirdest thing just happened. I'm like, okay, what happened? And um, basically, there was three lights in the room. In fact, let me do this. I, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna bring up her text. This is really, really just crazy. Um, where is it at? Where is it at? Hold on. I'm having it right here. Hold on. Let me just get to it. Let me get to it. Hold the phone, guys. Okay. Here's the text. She says. All the lights just went out in my room for a few seconds and then came back on. That was freaky, sitting in pitch black in a hospital room. I said, wow, really? She says, yeah, each light slowly switched off one at a time. There were three lights and then uh, there were three and then out for under a minute. And then all of them came back on. I said, wow. She says, yeah, that felt like kind of like a scary movie. And then so when I when I called her, when I called her, uh, she was telling me about this and she says, yeah, and it wasn't just all at once. So it wasn't like a timer. One little light clicked off. She heard it and saw it. Then a few seconds later, another light clicked off. And then a few seconds after that, the main light shut off and she was sitting in pitch black in her hospital room. And then for under a minute, she was sitting there. Meanwhile, she can see lights out in the hallway. She can hear the nurses cackling away, laughing like nothing's going on. And had no idea that the lights went out in her room. And then all of a sudden, poof, they came all right back on. That right there, folks, is not just, you know, that's not just something. All right. That wasn't just a a, a happenstance. And like my wife was just saying, and no one else's lights went off. Nurses never skipped a beat. So if that wasn't a spiritual attack, I don't know what is. But I'm telling you right now, the the, the war is real. The spiritual war is real, which is why we got to keep on guard. All right? We got to keep on guard. So I hope you all have a great day, great night, wherever you're at in the world. Keep your prayers up for us if you could, and we'll keep prayers going out for all of you because we know you are dealing with the same stuff. All right, ladies and gentlemen, 
You all have a good day. Good night. And we'll be back here tomorrow. God bless. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, remember, ladies and gentlemen, we are firm, we are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. The enemy has crossed that line for the last time. It is up to people like you and I to hold that line. They've crossed the line way too many times, and it is time for us to stand up this republic and get after it. We gotta do this for God. We gotta do this for our families. We gotta do this for America, for the voiceless. It's time to get after, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining the show. Get to check out the website www.hisheartline.com and if you want to know more about how to get involved with your assembly go to www.national-assembly.net that's www.national-assembly.net it's time to get active ladies and gentlemen let's go
Thank you for joining us here at His Heart Live. We'll see you back here next time. Thank <laughs> you.